0: This is a Glassbox Media
1: Podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Business of Sound. My name is David Segura, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Glassbox Media and the host for this podcast. Our goal, is always, is to provide you with actionable tips and an inside look into the world of podcasting, whether you are an executive, a podcast creator, or something else. We ask that you join us every month where we typically publish anywhere from one to two episodes as we bring you expert insights and conduct exclusive interviews with some of the industry's leading voices. But before we get started, we're going to ask you to give us a five-star rating or at least consider it so that you can stay up to date with everything happening on The Business of Sound. I'm super excited about today's episode as we're welcoming Tom Schwab. Tom is definitely not your typical guest. He's a Navy veteran nuclear propulsion plant operator, and an engineer who brings a really unique perspective to the podcasting and media landscape as a whole. Tom's role as a chief evangelist officer at Interview Valet has really kind of led him to do some really interesting things with brands, uh, apparently over 700 plus and counting, as he navigates his way through digital marketing. Additionally, Tom is the author of two books, including Podcast Guest Profits and One Conversation away so I am super excited to have him on today's episode and without further delay let's just jump right into the conversation.
0: David I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Thank you so much for coming on board really excited to have you. So I just want to start at the top you know just kind of probably ask you what everyone is thinking Um, your background is super unique, you know, not only being part of the Navy, but dealing with nuclear propulsion plants, which is something I don't completely understand, (laughs) but I'd love to hear your take on how it's influenced your approach to business. And also just in general, your bio.
0: Yeah. It only makes sense in the rearview mirror, right? So I started out of college. My first job out of the Naval Academy was running nuclear power plants in the Navy, right? And... What it really taught me is the idea of systems and processes. Often I'll hear people say, well, you don't understand. It's too complicated. Or my business is too complicated. We can't systematize this. And I just scratched my head and it's like, no, you don't understand, right? Because if the Navy can teach high school, educated, highly motivated people how to run nuclear power plants, clearly we can teach how we run our business, right? So that foundation of systems and processes has really shaped my life. And I worked in corporate America, ran, uh was a direct uh, sales rep out in the field, ran a distributorship. And then uh, my previous company was uh, HubSpot's first e-commerce case study. And, you know, we built our entire business up with guest blogging. And in about 2014, uh, after I had sold that business and I was in a sabbatical period, uh, I started to hypothesize that I bet you you could use podcast interviews just like we used to use guest blogs. And that's really where podcast interview marketing really kicked off from. It's really interesting. And I know that a
1: lot of our audience and listeners are folks that are either obviously immersed or at least interested in podcasting. But a lot of them are investors or entrepreneurs just thinking about how to create value and build value. I'm curious if you can go into a little bit more detail about that company that you scaled and
0: eventually um, sold. Yeah. And so if I look at marketing, and I, I went back uh, later in life and got my MBA, spent way too much time and money in there. And you know what I found out is what my grandfather could have told me. Marketing is starting the conversation with someone that could be our ideal customer, Right. Years ago, that might have been the, the Yellow Pages or your local newspaper. Then it went to television. You know, 20 plus years ago, it was blogs. Today, it's really the new media, the new content, and podcasts are like that. And I always say that nobody is interested really in podcasting. Nobody is interested in, in podcast guesting. What they're really interested in is the results they can get from it. And so I always look and say, you know, what is the biggest thing we're trying to do here and how can we use the technology to do it? You know, if marketing is starting a conversation with your ideal customers, if they're already listening to a podcast, if that's how they consume information, then just make sure you're where they're, they're listening. It makes perfect sense.
1: And one of my next kind of like questions that I'm just musing in preparation for this interview? feel like I'm about to ask you, like, who your favorite child is. In other words, literally impossible. But how would you compare your experience in being, you know, just literally leveraging mastering blogging, you know, to kind of, like, generate successful leads and build relationships with customers versus podcasting, which for a lot of us, you know, obviously it's been around and it's very culturally relevant. But frankly, from, like, the larger business landscape, it's still in its infancy. So I'm really curious to take, you know, get your pros and cons essentially about podcasting versus blogging
0: and, like what you ultimately think might be more powerful. So I'll talk about my favorite child personally, right? I have written a lot of blogs in my life and every one of them felt like a homework assignment, right? Because I'm just not a natural writer. So for me, podcasts and podcast interviews are much easier, right? The other thing is that blogs are pretty much saturated right now. Do you ever hear anybody now in 2023, you know, 2024 saying, wow, I just read the most amazing blog. No, nobody talks about that anymore. The new ones are are podcasting. The other thing in the, if you will, post-generative AI age that we live in, I don't think anybody trusts blogs. I don't think the search engines trust blogs anymore. Um, I heard a uh, a presentation on SEO and the point they made is that most people now look at written content and they're like, "Yeah, it's probably written by ChatGPT. And the search engines are also because how else can they assume? They'll assume we're all plagiarizers from Chat GPT, and they just start from there. Then you have to almost less prove to them that it's real content. And so this idea of, um, you know, collaborative content like we're doing here the search engines are going to be listening into this right the days of them just listening to keywords that's like 20 years ago right they're looking at all the content they're listening to the video they're wa- watching the video listening to the content and so it's very clear that what we're doing here is human because chat gpt would speak better than i do it wouldn't, wouldn't drop the Gs. It wouldn't uh, talk over each other. It would talk in complete sentences. So this idea of collaborative content is a signal to people that this is real. This is human. And also to the search engines. The other thing, so much of what's out there on the internet is, is what is obvious thinking, right? What everybody knows, ChatGPT, gets all the information out there and and tells you what everybody knows. I think when you start going to podcasts, you get new ideas. And it's the non-obvious things where people have to think and go, huh, I never thought about that. And to me, the obvious stuff is noise. The non-obvious stuff, that's information. And that's interesting.
1: That's the gold. Yeah. You know, that covered a lot of ground. And I think you're right. Podcasting is endlessly fascinating. I think you and I obviously both drink the Kool-Aid, but- It still makes it true. Um, And and I guess that's another funny comment that I guess the media landscape does evolve. And there was a time where, you know, I religiously like read blogs, um, also blog like companies like Gawker and others. But now, you know, it's it's heavily discounted. Even now, I have a million tabs open literally as we speak. There's a lot of articles I'm supposed to be reading, but I just don't because I do have that feeling of homework and podcasting, even when there's like, you know, slurred words or things that are a little bit out of touch or out of focus. it just feels more authentic. And so that's, that's how I prefer to learn too. And I think that's kind of true of a lot of
0: Americans, frankly. And I think the data says that 51% of U.S. adults listen to podcasts. So it's not for everyone, but I think we live in such an amazing time today that we can create content in the way that's easiest for us, and repurpose it in the way that's easiest for others. So we can take the transcript. You can make blogs out of it. You can you can make social media posts. You can make reels. So you can repurpose it, and I think that reaches everyone, right? What ten percent of the U.S. population um, is hearing disabled? Right? Has a has a hearing problem? They're not going to listen to the podcast, but doesn't mean they won't read the transcript or watch it with the, the subtitles, things like that. So it's an amazing time where I don't have to write blogs anymore. I can talk, but we can take all of this and turn it into lots of blogs.
1: I think it's great. So obviously we've talked about this, I think probably from both perspectives, consumer and also had to operationalize this for, for business purposes. And just to kind of pick your brain a little bit more than um, you've already hinted at that breaking it down, uh, generating transcripts, you know, attacking it from all angles. But do you think that podcasting should be a core part of any business's strategy for marketing?
0: I do. And, you know, I've got a vested interest in that. But I think it's also you need to be where your customers are and where your customers are making their buying decisions, right? And one of the things that I've seen over the last nine years is that, Often products are sold, but services are bought, right? And I think that's an important difference because if you're doing a, a B2B sale that's high on the relationship, that's different than a transaction of, a, of an Amazon product, and it takes a different sale. So if all you're trying to do is sell, you're going to be losing out on so many of your customers, Right. And today, especially um, people want to know, like and trust the business that they're working with. Right. Because it's a partnership. It's a relationship. They want to know what you believe in, what your heart is. So they really want to know the story behind the company. And that's really hard to get through on a, you know, a TikTok dance or a Facebook meme. Right. Uh, They often have to, to listen to the company.
1: I think, I think I think you're right. That makes perfect sense. And I will say, our team and even our producer did a little bit of research, picking apart you know your book and some of the other materials that you have out there. And their conclusion was that you think, in practice, if we're wrong, obviously, that the future of media is really in audio and not video. So, based on your last comment, I wanted to know if that was accurate, and if so, like how you could how you could break that down further, explain
0: it to the audience. I do, and most people are gonna rewind here right they're like no it's video not audio and while i think video is amazing right we can pick up certain things the problem with video is that it becomes dated very quickly right think about some of the old movies we watch right now where you start laughing at the special effects or um you laugh at the size of somebody's lapel or their uh their pork chop um uh, Sidebirds, something like that. You stop listening to them or we start judging people, right? And it's all humans do it, right? You look at somebody and you say, they're too old. They're too young. They don't look like me. And the problem becomes is you start closing off ideas. Whereas with audio, it's more evergreen. You're listening for the content and it, it transforms time. And let me give you an example of this. My niece was studying for her, um, her real estate exam and she called me up and she's like, uncle Tom, have you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, honey, I have. And he's, she said, oh, I was listening, um, to this and I thought you would like it. And all I could think of is I didn't have the heart to tell her, honey, Zig has been dead for years and that was probably recorded before you even were born. But because it was just audio, she was listening for the content. Now, if she had been watching in that video, uh, she would have looked at it and said, oh, this is so outdated, it no longer applies. And so that's why I think video is very important, but I'm not sure that it's got the long-term staying power that audio will. You know, if if audio is evergreen, maybe video is more like a, a can of soup, right? Might be good for three or five years. I could I could
1: see that, and I think that's, that makes a great point. Like I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but what I will say, at Glassbox, we're obviously signing up a lot of amazing creators, helping them make the most of the revenue and the audience opportunity. But it's very important that we monetize and leverage the back catalog because they are literally creating like hundreds of episodes in some cases, like over the course of a year, and certainly over several years. So. You know, just to get to the point, like that comment you made about content generally being evergreen, so true for audio, and even content that shouldn't be evergreen, like news and sports. Sure, less so, but surprisingly, you know, it, it still has meaning. And you're right; even the most viral video, like I stop engaging with it after a while. Like there's no nothing left to see there.
0: Yeah, and even think back to the days of radio. You know, was it War of the Worlds? There was a radio program. They still play that. And granted, the the quality on it is a little bit scratchy and everything like that, but it's engaging, right? I think if you watched a video from, when was that, the 20s or 30s? You know, no one would watch that right now. It it would be so dated. Heck, my kids, I remember taking them to uh, to see Star Wars and I thought it was the greatest movie going and they just laughed at the special effects. So um, I think it proves that video gets dated quickly, but audio is evergreen.
1: Yeah, I think I I think I'm a total believer in that. So that makes total sense. Um, One thing I also wanted to cover, too, is just learn a little bit more about, you know, your current business, Um, you know, interview ballet. You know, obviously, a key component of that is the power of guests and everything that that can do to supercharge podcasts and people's business. But I want to kind of give you a forum to talk a little bit more about that so that not only can I understand it, but I think importantly, the audience out there as well.
0: Yeah. And I love podcasting, but some people will say, should I be a host or a guest? And I don't think it's an either or, right? It's a great platform, just the same way Uber is a great platform. And you don't say, well, should I be an Uber driver or an Uber passenger? It depends on your, on your goals with that. So being a host is a great way to nurture your current leads, nurture your current customers. But the idea that if I build it, they will come, I don't think that's ever really worked. And in, in podcasting, it probably hasn't worked for a, a decade. So being a guest... Being a featured expert on other people's podcast is a great way to tap into existing audiences, to get that know, like, and trust, to get the backlinks for SEO, to get the authority, to get the leads that come back with that. So really, that's what we're doing a lot on the podcast interview marketing side. Uh, Interview Valet has been around nine years now, and we help inspiring thought leaders, you know, um, high-level coaches, consultants, brands, get out there on targeted podcast interviews that their ideal customers are already listening to, right? Instead of trying to break through the noise, we get them where their customers are already listening, and not just for the random exposure, it's really a marketing system. Much like inbound marketing, where you can target the right people, target the right podcasts, and then have a system to move people from being just a passive listener to an active visitor, to an engaged lead, right? Like I said at the beginning, nobody wants to be a, a podcast, right? They they don't want to be a podcast guest. They don't want to host a podcast. They want to get the results that comes from doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I
1: guess, you know, you did lay out exactly who the types of clients or your typical, you know, client profile might be. But I was curious if you can, like, you know, go into some detail. You don't necessarily have to name names, but, you know, what are a few case studies, I guess, where people have come to you with an objective and really felt like that was accomplished?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it goes everywhere from Fortune 500 companies, worked with Lockheed Martin, HubSpot. Um, You know, they use it as a great marketing channel there. We've also worked with smaller brands, right? Uh, Acuity Scheduling, when Gavin was first launching that, we helped him leverage podcast interview marketing to not only grow the brand, uh, but sell the company. That was uh, Squarespace's first acquisition. We work with a lot of high-level coaches and consultants. We do a lot with um, nonfiction books. And not that Not that people are just trying to sell books, but they're trying to get their ideas, their point of view out there so that they can um, make a a point for themselves in the market. And so with that uh, works really well for professional services, those B2B services. And if you're familiar with category design at all, um, the idea of not just trying to carve out a little portion of an existing category. But to come out there with a new point of view, a new category works amazingly for that because to get that new point of view, um, to, be, to establish yourself as the category king or queen, it's going to take conversations and podcast interviews are a great place to do that.
1: I think it makes perfect sense. Um, like in our own experience, for example, we've done some work with various brands like Masterworks, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, the founder of that is a, is a guy named Scott Lynn, kind of a brilliant entrepreneur and in a funny kind of personal story you know the first company i started was called giant media basically an online video exchange and we were actually acquired by his company ad knowledge so all these years later it's hard to say how he got there but i know he's a big fan of art and he's also like a master builder of companies he decided to build essentially a way for people to invest in fine art it's not tokens it's not crypto but it's basically fractional investing in an entirely new asset category that is like you know literally something very new and somewhat difficult to get to wrap your mind around. So apart from working with podcasts and podcasters to buy, you know, host read ads, he's actually been just ferocious, him and his company about getting himself and other qualified experts, you know, on pods to essentially describe not only their company, but the bigger vision and the opportunity. And while I don't have necessarily insight into that specific data, I can tell you that it seems like it's worked incredibly well. So yeah, back. He was a believer.
0: That is a great example because no one is going to search fractional art investing, right? <laughs> it's, not, right. it's not a keyword yet. And you think of other people like um, when HubSpot started, nobody would Google inbound marketing. They had to go out there and evangelize it. And you know that's one of the reasons that I, my title is chief evangelist officer. Right. I've got buddies that are CEOs, right, of publicly traded companies. That's not the job I do. Right. Totally different. I look at it as I'm trying to evangelize a new category of podcast interview marketing. I want to evangelize podcasting, our clients, our team, um, all of that. And I think that takes a a conversation. And it used to be that those conversations were from physical stages. And that's tough now because not everybody's going there. Even if you do talk there, uh, I can remember one of our clients, he spoke at Marlin Stadium uh, in front of 30,000 people. And the night before I was talking with him, I'm like, don't worry. uh, You've you've talked to more people on a podcast than this. And he (laughs) laughed and he's like, yeah, but they weren't looking back at me. (laughs) But afterwards we talked about it. And you know, if someone was listening to him and all of a sudden – they had to go to the restroom or they had to get up and and walk away to take a call. They're going to miss it. Whereas if he's on a podcast, they could pause it. Or what if they heard him give his presentation there and they're like, oh, I want to share this with my boss. Well, you know, they're going to remember a third of it and get a third of it right. Whereas if they were listening to him on a podcast, they could go, oh, wow, this is great let me forward it on and say, David, this is, I was thinking of you with this. And the good part is minute 14, check it out. So from that standpoint, you look and you say, what is more impactful talking to a stadium of people or talking to the people when they want, where they want, as often as they want, at the speed they want and being able to share it with who they want.
1: I couldn't agree more. You're certainly preaching to the choir and me, but I think we have a lot of audience members that are You know, obviously believers as well are leveraging this, having some success, but there's a lot of people that want to learn, you know, we still get questions about like, is podcasting a serious business? And they mean that like in a nicer way than it might sound, but you know, I get it. I understand where that's coming from. So that's really impactful to kind of hear you compare that to like a very typical sort of like business case scenario that does happen day to
0: day. And I think you can look at any market like that, right? Is podcasting really seriously a business? well, I don't know, is, is social media, right? Because you've got some people that will just, you know, post silly little things to social media. They're, they're doing it a, a different way, right? One is marketing. One is just a fun little hobby. sort. And, so, and I, I think of this sometimes like with fishing, right? Well, there's some people that do commercial fishing, right? And that's serious business, right? That's, that's probably the hardest job I think out there. And then there's other people that, Just do it leisurely, right? And it's the same thing. Podcasting is the same thing. And sometimes I hear people say podcast guesting and podcast interview marketing as the same word. And it's like, no, there's totally different. To me, podcast guesting is a activity, right? Go on a random podcast, have a nice little discussion, right? It's almost like going out for an afternoon fishing, right? If you catch something, that's great. If not, that's fine. Podcast interview marketing is a proven marketing strategy of leveraging other people's audience. There's data involved in it. There's strategy involved in it. There's analytics involved in it. And if you don't have all of those, you're not going to get the full benefits of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, You know, one thing I also wanted to ask you, we've
1: always been talking about the power of conversation, you know, throughout this, you know, interview, but. You know, I do want to directly ask you about your book as well, One Conversation Away. It obviously informs your work, your life, but I was hoping to give you a forum to actually speak about that because I think it's the type of thing that the audience could very much benefit from.
0: Yeah, it's more of a rant that I did. So my first book, Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with a Targeted Interview Strategy. Basically, it's just, hey, here's our game plan. Here's how we execute it. Here is the cookbook. You can do it too. Right. And if you don't want to do it yourself, well, then come to the restaurant and we'll do it for you. But the one conversation away was really a reaction to something that I've heard for so many years, that you're one funnel away. Right. And um, Russell Brunson runs a great company. uh, ClickFunnels It's a great marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. But I think what works on small transactions does not work on big relationships. Mm -hmm right? Um, the best things in my life have not come through a funnel. They've come through conversations. You know, the idea that you can scale up what works for a $7 product and use it for a big ticket sale, whatever that is, is ridiculous, right? The thing, same things that apply to small ticket sales don't apply to B2B sales or services, right? If they did, we would see um, Boeing Airbus selling aircraft, billion dollar aircraft with Facebook ads and funnels, right? No, it's it's a relationship sale. And so that's one of the things that I really focused on in there is the conversations. And I think today um, with more and more AI, right? We want a human connection, uh-huh. the bigger, the investment, the bigger, the leap, uh-huh. the bigger, the impact it's going to have on the business, the more I need to have that conversation with the person um, that's going going to be delivering it. Right. And that's the, you know, you can explain why you can buy a a $19 product with a click, but when you're doing a, a a multi-year, a big service, a B2B sale that we're talking about tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, you don't do that off a click. There's a number of conversations there. And I think, um, just trying to get that word out, uh, years ago, I read a great book, uh, by a bel- gentleman by the name of Bill Troy. And I loved in there, he said, big fish don't swim through funnels and whales don't click. Uh, he wrote the book called "Clicksand: how digital marketing is ruining your business. And he was the first one to sort of call out the canary in the coal mine that, uh, maybe automation and tools aren't the answer to everything.
1: That's a lot to take in, but I I'm inclined to agree with that as well. I think sometimes if it does become too simplistic or too kind of road, uh, it probably is an indication that it's not customized enough. So yeah, I can agree. Couldn't agree couldn't with that more. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, And one of our clients, um, uh, Gail Moody bird, she's now the, um, the CMO for LinkedIn sales navigator. I love how she summarized it. She said, we're getting more efficient at things that are less effective. Right? So in the time that, in in the time we've been talking here, both of us could have sent a million emails, literally a million emails. Would it have done anything? Yeah, probably filled up some spam folders. I, I don't know that it would have gotten clients or anybody that was worthwhile. So the idea of you know, are we getting more efficient? Or are we getting more effective? And I, I think that's something that I continue to look at um, on how I say how are we doing automation, how are we doing AI, and how are we doing meaningful human conversations.
1: It's it's just it's just funny. I mean, there's so many new technologies out there. I think. It's human instinct, especially if you're an entrepreneur to want to, you know, jump into what's new right now. Of course, it's being AI, but you really have to get down to the basics. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with new and innovative technology, but really make sure that it's like consistent with your actual business goals. And I think people forget you need to process to actually like make sure that you're leveraging it correctly. So that really hits the nail on the head.
0: That's, um, was it was a FOMO marketing. I think the what makes us great makes us crazy too. Remember somebody said, yeah. you know, uh, one of my, uh, my last company, one of the employees, the, there was a question that said, if if Tom was a dog, what kind of dog would he be? And she nailed it. She's like Doug from the movie Up, right? Remember that dog that would always go squirrel? Sure. That's that's how so many of our business owners are. And we've got this digital marketing FOMO, right? We wanted to jump on Clubhouse. We wanted to, to jump on, oh, now I can't even think of the name when Facebook came out with their thing that was going to kill Twitter, right? It's always that next thing, but I have to pull myself back and say, um, is this going to help me have conversations with my ideal clients? You know, and if they're not there, then why am I having the conversation there?
1: I think you're right. It gets back to tying back to that goal and that thesis. And I love the way that, you know, your current business, obviously much of your career and certainly the book have all kind of propagated that, you know, that statement is such a one conversation away with the right people. So it makes perfect sense. Um, You know, Tom, before closing out, you know, it's a little bit of a loaded question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Um, Everyone's talking about it right now. This being now somehow December 2023. What trend or what are you looking to capitalize on in the podcasting space in 2024?
0: Well, I'm going to make a prediction here, right? You're supposed to never make a prediction, much less on politics. Right. But I will tell you who's going to lose in the 2024 election. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's going to be the small business owners that are trying to compete with the, compet- with the politicians, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're starting to see this already, that the prices for paid media mm-hmm. is going up, right? They're buying everything, and we're not going to be able to compete. The noise is just going up and up and up. And so people are just going to start shutting that down. And I don't know if you've noticed the new regulations coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's new regulations on sending text messages. Uh, there was just one that came out from Yahoo and Google mm-hmm. that said, if you have more than three spam mm-hmm. reports per thousand, okay. they're going to block your uh, URL or your domain from delivery. Oh, three wow. Out of, three out of a thousand. And that starts in February. But guess what industry the regulation does not apply to? Government politics? Politics. It applies to small business. It does not apply to politics because they they say it's political speech. So 2024 is going to be tough, right? If we're trying to compete with the politicians and their money and the platforms they're using, we're going to lose. Right. So we've got to figure out different ways to communicate. And I think podcasts are a great way to do that. I think when people s- start turning off the, the news where people are yelling at each other or they start turning off social media because all it is, is, um, is political ads. Or when they stop even looking in their email because, you know, it's it's nothing but stuff from the candidates spam. Right they're going to be looking at other places. And I think podcast is going to be one of those places where they're going to take refuge to find ideas. And I, I just look at it and say, um, maybe that will come back after the election, but that's not a place that I want to be in 2024. I'll stick in podcasts.
1: Well, definitely like the outcome of the message of where you took that, but I think it's right. I mean, and hopefully people do consider not just the evolving media landscape, but like, just how aggressive, how competitive next year is going to be That's true of every year. But I think 2024, not just this presidential election year, but this election, um, people are going to be going all out. So I think you're right. We got to start preparing now. And hopefully a lot of folks will enter the space because of that.
0: It will be interesting. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Well, Tom, you know, want to thank you again for agreeing to come on the show. Um, you know, I want to also call out to the audience as well, but, you know, I'm sure they got like a tremendous amount of value. So again, can't thank you enough.
0: Well, thank you, David. And, you know, if anybody wants to connect with me, you can just go back to interview with a V.com forward slash sound. I'll put a page up there. And if you want a free copy of my book, I'll put it there. That's fine. If you want to connect with me, uh, all my social media will be there also.
1: That's great, and I'm sure the audience will take you up on that. So, to everyone listening out there, thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Business of Sound. As always, this show is produced by Erica Miranda. New episodes generally appear every Thursday, at either once or twice every month. We also humbly ask you to leave us a five star review to help support the show, and we encourage you to follow Glassbox Media on Instagram or LinkedIn. And again, thanks for listening and we will see you next time.